Whiskey for the Ages is not sponsored or endorsed for any product or program mentioned in this show and receive no remuneration from their creators. everybody. Welcome to this special edition of our Whiskey for the Ages podcast. I'm your host, Brian Dawson, and as always, I've got Hannah and Alora with me. Hannah here. Hi, I'm Alora. Thank you so much for listening in. Tonight is the final episode of our inaugural series. During these past 20 weeks, can it be that long, girls? Wow, 20 I, that, weeks? that's a bit shocking. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a lot of fun putting the shows together for you. We're really, really looking forward to this show. Uh, We're doing a full review of a whiskey that was chosen by you guys. Early on when we put together our podcast format, a whiskey review was always going to be the grand finale episode. Which was very, very fitting. Several weeks ago, Hannah prepared a listing of whiskeys hiding in our bunker. The poll was posted in social media groups and on our Facebook and LinkedIn platforms. And it was on our Twitter one too. We didn't get too much response on the Twitter one, but overall, across all of our social media pages, the overwhelming response was Colonel E.H. Taylor, Barrel Proof, Batch 10. Thank you all very much. I know I've been saying a lot about that particular one and wanting to be able to finally open it. So thank you for making that dream come true for me. (laughs) Um, Our second place winner was Parker's Heritage Orange Curacao uh, by a fair margin, but maybe that one can come up again in future seasons. Or we might just sneak it in anyway. You never know. Well, before we jump into the review, I hope everyone in listener land has their glasses full. And if not, Take a moment, fill them up, and then sit back and enjoy the show. Well then, what are we waiting for? Let's pour. All right, so what are we drinking out of tonight, guys? We're drinking out of Glen Cairns. Yep, these are our uh, classic tasting glasses. Almost all of our reviews are going to be um, tasted out of Glen Cairns. We really like the way that the glass is shaped good for nosing, keeps everything all nice and compact in there. It is our classic review glass. We certainly drink out of other glasses throughout uh, the week, but our reviewing, uh, the Glencairn really can't be beat. (laughs) So what we do on high proof bourbons, and this is high proof bourbon, anything over 120 proof, we tap off that first one and a half ounces and we pour it into our infinity bottle. Some of you may know what an infinity bottle is, others don't, but essentially what we've done is we have a bottle that we work on throughout the year, throughout the months, and uh, we fill it with these first pours. We do that because Hannah and I have noticed that when we drink bourbon, if we pour the first pour and somebody else gets the second pour, inevitably our tasting experience is different. So we're doing an infinity bottle of high-proof neck pours. 
this pour tonight, this one and a half ounces tonight, fills the infinity bottle. It's currently sitting at approximate mash bill of 74% corn, 11% rye, 3% wheat, and 12% barley. I think the math works out. If any of you guys wanted to start your own infinity bottle, we do have um, some recommendations and some tips on how to do that on our website. Uh, it's a pretty popular page, that one is. It gets uh, multiple hits throughout the week, throughout the days. We're always surprised at how, uh, how many people are actually looking in on that. The approximate char on this uh, infinity bottle is uh, 3.7 and it has an approximate barrel entry proof of 125 and this is currently sitting at 61.9 percent abv Holy. or at 123.8 proof that's yeah, all that's, that, that that's our infinity bottle yep that, that's definitely that definitely fits the criteria there <laughs> oh yes oh yes now we're gonna let it sit for a couple of weeks let the uh, mix marry and then we'll pour off some samples and enjoy it. But let's talk about this one. What's the story on batch 10 okay. Taylor? This is uh, a barrel-proof bourbon. It's out of uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, Buffalo Trace. Uh, their uh, distillery uh, plant number is 113. B Buffalo Trace does not post their mash bills other than to say it's mash bill one, mash bill two, what have you. This is a mash bill one or a low rye and the internet consensus has given us an estimate of, of about 75% corn at or slightly under 10% rye around 15% barley and it does have a barrel char of number four which is a good alligator char on it. Barrel entry proof was 125. Uh, it does not have an age statement but uh, on the website it indicates that it's been aged exclusively in warehouses built by Colonel E.H. Taylor himself back in the 1800s. The bourbon is believed to be about seven to eight years old. All E.H. Taylor barrel proof bourbon is uncut and unfiltered. So what we're getting is as close to out of the barrel as you can possibly imagine. It has an ABV of 63.65% or 127.3 proof. And we paid, get this, $70.95 back in November here in Idaho. Of 2021. 2021. This one's been sitting in our bunker for a good long while just waiting for an opportunity to open. Yep, we just recently finished a batch eight which uh, we absolutely love that bottle. So I did a little research on this one. There is an app out there. You can uh, download it on your phone called Booze App, B-O-O-Z-A-P-P. And uh, we do not get any money from mentioning their, their product. But it has an average MSRP of $69.95 or 70 bucks. Suggested fair price is 216 that's what you might expect to pay out there or should expect to pay if you're not getting it at retail just to give a case in point batch 9 was $441 as a fair price 
crazy. <laughs> and the secondary average, and we are not uh, in favor of paying secondary on anything, but the secondary average on uh, the barrel proof here is 340 with batch 9 being slightly over $700 a bottle. I just don't get that, but I guess if you have to have it, it's your money. You can spend it however you see fit. Availability on this one, it is no longer produced. As we said, it was produced back in 2021. It's highly allocated. Um, State of Idaho just gets uh, a few cases of this every year, and we were lucky enough to snag onto it. Now, there is no marking anywhere on the bottle that says that this is a batch 10 or whatever batch. So oh, how, do we, how, how do you know it's a batch 10? Well, on the bottom of the bottle, there is a very faint laser code imprinted on the glass. In this case, the laser code is 2113301, followed by 17 colon... 38D. It's like a cipher. That's a what a code. Yep. So the very first numbers, the two numbers, uh, indicate what year it was bottled. So this would be 2021. The next three digits are the day of the year. In this case, the 133, the 133rd day of the year, which puts us, I believe, into May. And then the run is 01, meaning it was the first run of the bottling. That's the last digits there in that group of six and seven. And then the time of day, this was actually bottled at uh, 38 minutes after five in the afternoon, uh, central time, I believe. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> very good, Laura. And then it was done on bottling line D, D as in David, that's that last digit. In addition, you can always tell what the batch number is by the proof. There are various websites out there that publish this information and you can go to our website and click on a link to find that information but in this case the proof of 127.3 indicates it was batch 10. For more details as I mentioned you can see the reviews on our website which will be uploaded very soon on this one. Website is whiskeyfortheages.com. And girls, what kind of tools do we use when we uh, review bourbons? We're kind of all over the board. For, for the reviews that we're doing here on the podcast, we've each got our own flavor wheel out, um, another tool that can be found on our website. Most of the time, I'm just sitting staring out into space waiting for flavors and aromas to come to me. But... Having the wheel here, being able to write stuff down as you're talking, it helps. So Hannah, what are you getting out of this? What does it smell like? It's sweet and spicy at the same time. Sweet notes, I think, really heavy on the dark fruit, not red fruit. So I'm thinking raisins, I'm thinking plums, I'm thinking figs, I'm thinking fruit leather, uh, dark fruit leather particularly. At the same time, there are a lot of sugary notes here too. I've got some vanilla, light vanilla going on. I'm getting some brown sugar. There's a bit of a toffee element as well. And then there's a bit of spice that comes in just to kind of fill, round it out. 
from nutmeg which is again kind of more on that sweeter side along with white pepper which is a pepper that's sweeter than what you'd get out of black pepper and then I know this one is supposed to be a low rye mash bill but I'm getting a bit of rye here too Hannah, I think you and I are on the same page. A lot of what I wrote down were flavors that you were getting. Like, I even went so far as to do the white pepper. Like, oh, wow. I, so, yeah, we were on the same way. I would add on to that fruitiness. I would say there are hints of uh, cranberries as well. And... Rainier cherries, I think those ones are the yellow ones, correct? They're a bit more tart than your normal maraschino and a bit brighter than your dark cherries. I also got a bit of dark chocolate mm. and an oddball here, Prosecco. Prosecco? What's Prosecco? It's like a sparkling white wine. Oh, okay. yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like a champagne. Yeah, ah. you put it in cocktails. <laughs> okay, that would be why I don't know. <laughs> One of my scents in my room is like a, a Prosecco white frosting, and I immediately was reminded of this, so. That's pretty rare that you and I are actually in yeah. agreement with a, lot of, with a lot of these. Usually, Alora and I are very different with what we get out of a glass, so that, that's interesting. I'm usually a bit of an oddball. <laughs> what about you, Dad? What are you getting out of, well, out of you this guys nose? You guys touched on quite a few of the similarities here. When we first opened this bottle, I was overwhelmed by brown sugar. There is brown sugar here, yeah. I mean, it, it was a brown, I, it was like you just opened up a fresh bag of brown sugar and stuck your face in it. Mm. And then, like you said, the toffee then starts to come through. It's interesting though, because I'm not picking up any nuts and I usually associate toffee and nuts and unless you guys have got a nut to throw out there I'm not getting anything. Um, I did say for my toffee element because I noted toffee on the nose as well for this one that it was a nutty toffee. Yeah. Um, as far as pinning down the actual nut for it I agree it is kind of difficult if you had to really twist my arm I'd probably say almond but I really am hesitant to really commit one way or another but I do think that there is an earthy nutty tone to the sweetness of this one see I actually did get down into a nut and for me it was peanuts but caramelized peanuts Okay, in other words, kind of a candied peanut? Yeah, or just peanuts that you'd put in like a peanut brittle or something. Okay, I'm also picking up a fair amount of dark woodiness. Kind of goes with the earthiness that you had spoke of. Mm -hmm. When I say dark woodiness, almost like a damp wood. Yeah, that's interesting because I actually marked down dry wood for <laughs> for the nose on this one and I think in part it's due to a rye influence the the spice of the rye is drying out the oak for me so the oak is there but it's as if it's already really been burnt and and the moisture has been sucked out to me it, it's more musty than dry that's interesting to me I actually didn't really get any oak 
the next thing that I would usually go for if I don't get any oak, which happens, is do I get cedar? This one I did not get cedar. I actually got a hint of pine in it. That was my main earthiness if I had to decide on a flavor, but I had to really, really hunt for it. I would agree that it's just like a dark tree, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, you girls had mentioned fruits and their dark fruits, the mm -hmm. figs, the prune, the raisins. You know, Laura, you said the Rainier cherry. I'm getting the uh, the Bing cherry, and I'm almost wondering if that almond element that you're picking up, Hannah, isn't part of that cherry note. Could be. Because almonds and cherries go together like <laughs> like peas and carrots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this smells really nice. It does smell really nice. Definitely intrigued to see how it how it meets up. This is an interesting scent wheel that we've got. And there's actually quite a few commonalities between all of us. Yeah. Which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> we're we're all over the place. Like sometimes I'll list a flavor and and dad and hannah will be like what are you on <laughs> i didn't like yep. some some bourbons i've been noted to um put down like skittles like a specific flavor of skittles and they're like no <laughs> overall really impressed with the nose of this one but I, that's kind of what i was anticipating coming out of yeah. this just because i i like buffalo trace products I love the fruit that a Buffalo Trace product will bring, and I love high-proof things. So I went into this perhaps with a little bit of bias that I would like it. You and have bias? I sometimes have, on occasion, <laughs> assumed things. Well, girls, I, I snuck in a taste. Yeah, yeah I'm going yeah. in for my first taste. <laughs> and, and I have to say that... Those of you who know me or maybe don't even know me, I will tell you that my first sip is not generally a taste. I put it in my mouth and I just see how long I can hold it. Testing the proof. Testing the proof. And surprisingly, at the proof this is, the 127-ish, it's relatively easy to mm -hmm. hold. It does tickle the tongue. There, make no question about it. It does tickle the mouth but it's surprisingly easy to hold but at the same time I can feel this darkness this bourbon if one is not careful could <laughs> potentially hurt you yeah I agree yeah I took one sip just now and I was like holy that's a hot one there is a little hot ethanol one. here I don't get so much of like an ethanol in my mind, I, can, I can't I can disassociate ethanol with being something like gasoline or something foul. So I generally don't use words like that, but there is an alcohol tickle, an alcohol burn here. For me, as I move it around my palate and as I eventually wash it down, I get almost like a pop rock sort of sensation. <laughs> like it's just, it's just bouncing all over the place. It's lingering, that popping sensation is, is lingering. And wow, the flavors that are accompanying it are just 
It's, it's a lot like the nose. I'm going to say it's a lot like the yeah. nose. The dark fruits are really prevalent here. Um, again, with that fruit leather, with that fig, with that prune. I think I'm getting a bit more cherry now than I was originally on the nose. The cherry is pronounced. It's very pronounced here. Which is consistent with Buffalo Drake's products. Yep. Which is why I really like them. I'm getting a lot of the barrel as well. Yep. The barrel is um, very spicy here. Very rich. You definitely are tasting the char. I am getting the char. And it's a sweet char too. At least for me. And the aromas that I got, it was... Yes, they were sweet notes. But they really... They're not overwhelmingly sweet. You know, it's just the natural sweetness that you'd get from all the dark fruits that I just got. But in the taste, especially in the aftertaste, like when it's just at like the last part of it, the very, very last part of it, it just becomes this really, really nice, sweet, rich notes of vanilla yeah. and yep. and even some maraschino cherries yep. and I think I get a little bit more chocolate. There is well. chocolate here. Yeah. Almost a dark chocolate element, but yeah. not not so dark that it's bitter, but darker than milk chocolate. It mm -hmm. like like um I've got on my wheel like chocolate chips. I'm going to specifically say the chocolate chips that you cook with, that you bake with. Dark chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Semi sweet. I mean the, the yeah, semi sweet. Yep. So, because there is a bit of bitterness there. I wrote down nibs. Chocolate nibs. <laughs> the chocolate yeah. nibs. Yeah. I think that if I had to guess a type of food that I could connect this with, I think honestly I'd choose black forest cake. Okay. Yeah. I get that. It just marries so well. The uh, cherries, the chocolate, and I even get like that vanilla buttercream frosting. There, there's an unusual flavor here though, and I'm not getting it. It's in, and I know we're not to the finish yet, but it's after the liquid is gone from your mouth. It there's something that's lingering on the palate that's, to me, unusual. I'm gonna have to bow to you guys a little bit so I can kind of play with it and figure out what it is. I do get a lot of cane sugar. There might even be a bit of a citrusy note to this. I know that there's a bunch of flavors of lemonade out there. I'd probably say, and this is going to get really, really specific, perhaps a blood orange lemonade. Okay. Blood orange is a, a very unique flavor yeah, in the citrus it, it's group. Not, it's not like a normal orange. It's darker. I think, honestly, blood oranges are my favorites from the orange family, if I had to choose. But I'm trying to figure out what that flavor is that you're, that you're thinking of, Dad. I mean, I'm getting a little bit of black pepper. I'm getting a lot more smoke than I was actually anticipating coming out. That's what it is. It's smoke. And even a little bit of grass. There's like a little bit of grass. And I don't think it's fresh grass. I think it's more along the lines of like straw. But it is It is the smoke. And it's not sweet smoke either. It's, no. It's not stale smoke. But it is a smokiness from burning vegetation. Yeah. Yeah. 
but not it, burnt grass. It this is a this is I a woodiness. Think for, I I, I kind of think burnt grass, but for me, I don't know if I I'm associating that so much with the Tobacco? flavor. No, I I don't know if I'm associating it so much with a flavor, rather than a, feel. a feeling because okay. I I can feel. If you're a smoker or you've been around people who smoke, when you're breathing in all of that, there's a burning sensation that you get yeah. in your throat, and it'll tickle a little bit. That's kind of what I'm getting here. So I don't think it, I don't think it's so much of a flavor for me. I think it's more sensational. Uh, sensational. But all of the other flavors that that we've been talking about from the sweetness of chocolate, vanilla, all of the fruit, they're standing up to it really nice. Yeah, this is interesting in that it's a sweet bourbon, but it's not sweet in the sugar sense. It's sweet in the fruit sense. But it's that dark fruit, that plum, that prune even, mm -hmm. that like you said, the fruit leather. It's, yeah. It's, and, and all of those do something to your mouth too they kind of i don't want to say pucker it it works on the, the taste buds differently than yeah than sugar does i remember when we were a lot younger we would go to costco and we'd get special brand of fruit leather i can't remember what it was now it was a long time ago but there was a dark fruit fruit leather um, that we would get and I want to say that it was either grape or maybe even blackberry or blueberry and this tastes so much like that particular fruit leather and I would sit I I, I don't know how many of those little fruit leather prepackaged things we had I, I don't I probably would eat three or four a day. I love them very much. We probably um, need to go get some more fruit leather so we can play with it again. Yeah. But th this is very reminiscent of that. A blueberry fruit leather, a blackberry fruit leather. I'm I'm there's raisin here and then there's fruit leather. Like the two things are very different. So yeah. I don't think the fruit leather is grape so much. I think it's like blueberry or blackberry dried. So I just did a couple of Kentucky Chews. Yeah, Kentucky. tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Kentucky Chews are essentially when you when you swish the whiskey around in your mouth. What that does is it allows you to be able to put the bourbon or whiskey or whatever you're tasting everywhere in your mouth. It allows you to get the taste buds. It allows you to experience the sensations a hundred times more powerful and it will it, hurt it will hurt if you're if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> it'll hurt if you do know what you're doing yeah and this one i had to i had to take a couple of seconds i found that it opened up some really sweet notes i actually got a bit of marshmallow in it wow um like burnt marshmallow you know the kind that you put on your s'mores. Well, that would be consistent with the smokiness that we're getting yeah. here. Yeah, and it's like I do get a little bit more of a sweet oak. I'm finally getting oak. Yeah, I think doing the Kentucky Chew with this just allowed it to have more sweet notes. 
for me. And for me, it's the exact opposite. The Kentucky Chew plunges it even deeper into that dark, smoky element, almost to the bitter side. I'm with Alora on this one. I think it pulls out a sweeter <laughs> oak. Yeah. That's very but interesting. But it hurts. I think the fruit leather gets even bigger on the Kentucky Chew as well for me. I think those times when we went to Costco, I was too picky of an eater to yeah, really know. Yeah, you didn't know. eat them. No. You didn't eat yeah, them. They I, was, I was picky. I was a trouble child when it came to food. But, you know, it, it's whatever. What do we got for additional tasting thoughts here, uh, Hannah? What it, what's the mouthfeel here? Um, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, there is a sort of Pop Rocks feel to it. It's rough. It's gritty. I think that I use those words differently than a lot of other people do when they're talking about whiskey and mouthfeel. A lot of people will look for something that's oily and, and viscous in the mouth. Whenever something really grips my taste buds and makes it almost cloying onto my palate, it's automatically rough slash gritty hmm. for me. So whenever I use those words, that's what I'm that's what I'm meaning. And this one definitely has a lot of grip to it. See, I get that oily element. It's to me it's oily and it the longer I hold it, and I hold bourbon a long time. I've been known to hold it for a couple of minutes. That your taste buds and your sal salivary glands start to go overdrive and they start pumping in more liquids. The longer I hold this one, the more it becomes slippery, if, if you will. But then as soon as I swallow, bam, you're hit with that proof. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, the it, proof definitely kicks in after, you know, after it's gone. I think that it, it envelops your chest and your heart. Like yeah. some bourbons, some will just sit. Or they'll grow in your chest. This one is like, I am here, okay? And I'm sitting here, and you're going to like it. I'm trying to think how I would classify this. It's big. It is big. It's rich. It's very decadent. It's dessert-like. Yeah. It's classic Buffalo Trace. That's high proof. I, I'm kind of attributing this to like a firework going on. Because I think it can be a bit of a firework with this one. It's also quite creamy. Yeah. It's smooth. Yep. It it's hard to it's hard for something to be both smooth and aggressive at the same time. Uh. But this is as you hold it, it's smooth. But the moment you swallow it, it is very throat and esophagus and chest warming. I mean, yeah. I feel it all the way into my stomach. Yeah. To the point where. I know if I did that three times in a row, I would be in excruciating pain from a hug. Yeah, I think this one has a lot of potential to give a Kentucky hug. Frankly, I think the, I did. Yeah, I think I did have a Kentucky hug. I I think that for someone not used to high-proof bourbons, this could be painful. You know, we we drink a lot of high-proof bourbons around our house. At the same time, though, I actually think that this one would be a great introduction to a high-proof <laughs> bourbon, just because two there's different a, pages. Well, just because there's a lot of flavors that I think 
make it enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of different flavor profiles in bourbon, right? You know, there's a lot of spice in some, there's a lot of herb and, and grass and earth in others. And those ones aren't always super approachable. I think with fruit, it's just a safe bet all around. So you already have a foundation of something that's naturally sweet, something that is warming. I think that you've obviously got to be gentle and slow with it. But I, I think this one would actually be a really good intro one. I agree. I think that because Dad and Hannah really like high proof bourbons. They, if it's a high proof, there's a 99.999 repeating chance that they will like it. For me, I have to have more substance with a high proof bourbon. We we went through a um, a period of time where all we had for a few days was high proof bourbons and they were downright painful. I did not enjoy them because I was like, I just taste hot. I didn't know hot was a flavor, but I just taste hot. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and, and I will agree that the batch 10 here, all of the other flavors that are here actually stand up to the proof. They don't get buried in the proof. This is this is well blended. It is very well blended and well balanced. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, I for balance. Let's go into that. Yeah. What does balance mean to you guys? Well, like you just said, the heat can can stand there, but the fruits, the spices, the sugars, the oak, they all kind of balance with it one is not overpowering the right. other when i do a review i kind of do a wheel and in that wheel i i identify flora and i identify the, and the flora is going to be the fruits or what have you um, it's interesting that this is a 74 percent corn based mash bill yet i taste no corn here yeah you know that's a good point i didn't even really think about yeah. that there's not a lot of corn and and it's largely because the rest of it takes over. Yeah. The earthiness takes over. I know I kind of hinted at tobacco. I'm not so sure that tobacco isn't an element here somewhere. And maybe that's in that smokiness. And I and mm -hmm. I'm not thinking tobacco like a cigarette tobacco. I'm thinking more like a cigar or a pipe or something like that where there's a depth to it. You know, you're not really inhaling your, 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 you're sitting in the aroma of it. Mm -hmm. well, you know, m maybe that's what it is. That's a good point, Laura, when you say balance. What is balance? For me, that's what balance is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can all of the elements stand up to one another? Yeah, I, I would, agree. Yeah, I would agree with that too. For me, I attribute balance. If you guys know me and my reviews, I always include like a music selection. Well, I'm a musician. I play clarinet. Since I first started playing in an ensemble, all I was taught was balance. Well, what is a balance in sound? Well, we have something that is called the pyramid of sound. Your basses, your tubas, your bass clarinets, your low instruments. Those are going to be your foundation. 
And then you have your lower middle voices, which are usually the tenor saxophones or even euphoniums and trombones. And then you have your alto voices, so alto saxophones, you have your clarinets, and then you have your top part of that pyramid, the soprano notes. And it's organized in that way simply because if the flutes were to overpower the tubas, do you really have a great sound? Are you able to really feel it deep in your chest? You can obviously hear the flutes, but can you hear the tubas? So when I attribute that sort of analogy to bourbon, well, my bass sound is probably going to be very oaky. Yeah. Very, very yeah. oaky. Whereas my soprano notes, well, those ones are going to be like your really bright, sugary flavors. Yeah. Perhaps lemon or frosting. Those ones are the Christmas trees while the uh, oak is the actual tree trunk. Yeah. So that's a good analogy. Very I think good. that I think that this I think that this is really well balanced. I think all of the flavors of all of the flavor profiles that are here each show up and and, yeah. and you get all of them and they marry really well together. As we're sitting here, we're we're thinking about it, we're we're tasting it, we're feeling it. I'm looking at it. <laughs> and this is part of the review as well. To me, as I look at this glass, and it's it's hard to see it in the light that we're in, but it's kind of a tawny carroty color um, for me. What are you guys seeing in the glass? I put down auburn for it myself. So a little darker, huh? A little darker than what you're thinking. Um, there's a lot of orange tone to this. And that's so where I was get, getting the carrot. I, I totally get where you're getting the carrot. It just looks a little bit darker. A little bit of a darker orange. Not into the red, but close. And then we talked about the feel, how it feels in our mouth already, that kind of, Laura and I are saying creamy or viscous, and you're saying pop rocky. Yeah, but <laughs> I think, like I said, I think that I define uh, mouthfeel and rough differently than yeah. a lot of other people do yeah same thing with oily or viscous uh, i'm i think i'm kind of different in that camp we also talk about like the actual liquid and how it sits in the glass you know as we continue drinking it if you look towards the top especially with this one you can see what we call a crown yeah yeah, so it's, it's spotty. like a faint yeah, yeah it's kind of like a faint outline that um just comes from whenever you take a sip. And sometimes you even look a little bit closer, you see some vertical lines. Yep, those are the legs. Those ones are the legs, but the, for this one I don't really It's really see a spotty. Whole lot. Yeah. It's it's yeah. interesting. It's you know, every every bourbon we have, we look at these and then we play with it and and we we see things. This one is a bunch of dots. And then the dots get smaller as they, I guess the legs have dissipated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just really see the crown, to be honest. Yeah. The inverted crown. And I tend to find that the thicker crown or the um, bigger, fatter droplets, they kind of coincide with the creaminess. You know, correlation does not equal causation, but... 
creamy whiskeys usually have that big fat droplets and the big fat crown, whereas for lack of better terms, more watery ones tend to have long, um, long legs, long skinny legs, uh, long skinny droplets, um, not as much of a crown. Interesting. So in between all of our sips, we've been sensing the finish of this. And we've been talking about it a little bit yeah. too. The finish here for me mirrors the nose and the palate. I'm getting a lot of those flavors coming through. I'm getting that sensation of deep, dark oak. I'm getting that sensation of dark fruits. I'm getting that sensation of spicy barrel char. That also lends itself to this balanced feel. You know, not only is it balanced across all the flavors, it's balanced from the nose and the flavors and on to the finish. Uh, this is a real enjoyable pour. I, I like it. Yeah, me too. I would also say that now in the finish, Hannah, I would agree that this one has rye bread. And I do get a little bit of rye bread in it. I also get a bit of pretzel bread you know i that's could, in, i oh my gosh yep yeah i was thinking there's a bready element here but i wasn't going to say it because it i couldn't figure it out but you're right it, it, it is, is the pretzel bread wow. and it's and it's coming through on the finish yep i agree <laughs> sometimes you just need a little teamwork to coax out those flavors <laughs> That pretzel bread was also there in the flavor. You think? I think it was. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of uh, brininess to it. That big saltiness. Yeah, along with the white pepper. Well, so what do we think? I really love this. I, I really love this. I, I'm, I've been going slow with it, so it'll be a while before I can actually comment on an empty glass i probably won't be able to do that in this podcast that'll be something you'll have to look for in my review when that finally goes up but i really really enjoyed this yeah i thought you would it's a very fruity for me you yeah. tend to really like the fruity ones when we actually did the review for uh, the the batch eight i gave the batch eight a pretty stellar grade for me, it would, I gave it a 93. As I've been tasting this, as I've been enjoying this, and I do enjoy this, I don't think it's quite on par with that Batch 8, which to me was one of the best bourbons I've had. There's only a few that are better. Yet, this is still a, a great bourbon, but I'm not going to give it quite as high a rating. For me, I'm sitting... Uh, I'm going to sit in the 90, 91 range. For sure, I'm going to have to dig a little deeper here. But in my 91s, I've got a couple of bookers, an old uh, Kentucky Chew, a kitchen table, both from 2018. Frankly, I've got a Colonel E.H. Taylor small batch. It's in that, that same realm. Four Roses small batch is in there. I have uh, a Horse Soldier Reserve in there, which we just had some the other night. I, I love that one. Maker's Mark, FAE 02, and an old Forester 1910. 
I'm on par right there. I might be convinced that it might be a bit better than that, but frankly, I'm I'm sticking with a 91 for right now. That's really interesting. For me, this one ticks all of the boxes. If you guys know my reviews at all, uh, please, let me just click the glass here prematurely. If you guys know my reviews at all, I really love fruity bourbons. Those are my go-to. That is my ideal flavor profile in any bourbon. So this one ticks all the boxes. There's complexity here. There's warmth here. There's fruit here. At $70, yes, I would buy this again in a heartbeat. I think that is well worth the price. I think you're getting so much out of it from a really well-known distiller consistently making good product. For this one, I'm actually going to the top of to, to the top of my ratings as a whole. This one's gonna get a 97 for me, guys. Whoa! So I don't really have a whole lot of bourbons within this category. That is the highest rating that I've ever given a bourbon. I have four others that are going to be sitting here with this batch 10. One of them also being a Booker's, that would have been the Country Ham Bourbon from 2019. I absolutely love that bourbon. That one is, you know, one of my all-time holy grails. Border Bourbon Cast Strength, if you guys don't know about that one, it is from a sort of, I almost want to call them a craft distiller out of the state of Wisconsin. We've been able to go over there a couple of times and talk to the people who work there and they make a really solid product all around and their border bourbon is just fantastic. Uh, I also have a little book, Chapter 3, The Road Home Bourbon. That one is several years old, for sure. You'll notice all these are high proofers, right? Yep. So I've got a Stag Junior Batch 13 as well in there, which is one of their last yep. couple of the Junior line anyway, before they've changed And every the one name. of those are 120 or better. <laughs> yep, so you know, they just, Classic Hannah, loving classic fruit, loving classic high proof bourbon. 97 is where I'm going to sit with this one. I'm really, really pleased with it. For reference, my batch eight, I gave that one a 93. So again, super great. Loved it. But obviously as I go further down, there's a lot more company in those categories. This one is among the elite. And maybe for me, why I've rated it a little lower than the Bash 8, it's that weird aftertaste that I'm getting. Hmm. That maybe it's that smoky grass or smoky burnt something. That... See, but I love that. I think that contributes so much to the character of what this bourbon is. You get punched with fruit going in. You've got candy, sugary sweetness as it's going down. And then you get spicy heat, warmth, earth after it's gone. I mean, this, it, it goes everywhere. So I, I love the versatility of it. I get it. What about you, Allura? Where, where are you thinking with your, with your potential rating here? This is interesting because I usually really, really like candied, sweet, sugary ones. This was such a well-balanced bourbon that I I might be on the same page with Hannah and give it a 97. Oh my wow. gosh. And it, it is a very it is a very big thing. If you see my profile, I'm sorry guys. I'm not as proactive as Dad and Hannah. That's gonna change, I promise. I'm working on it. 
yeah I tend to really really like the sugary ones but this just has so much of a balance like a really really great assortment of flavors you were mentioning an aftertaste and out of curiosity I took another sip just now and I'm like maybe licorice or um, an aniseed I'm not getting that well I got it Good enough. <laughs> so that's all that but matters. That's all that's, that's, yep. that's the most important thing is I got it. <laughs> so for sure, this would be something we would get again if we found it on the shelf. And frankly, if I saw any batch of barrel-proof Colonel Taylor, I wouldn't care what somebody gave it as a rating. I'd grab it. Yeah. The closer to retail, closer to MSRP, 70 80 bucks. It's a no-brainer. Absolutely. I, I think would, I'd spend that. And I'm a college student, yeah, so... I'd spend 100 bucks on this. Yep. But there's no way that I'm spending 300 bucks on this. No, but I, to be fair, we don't do that for any bourbon. No, we don't. It's just... I think you can find a lot of really great things in reasonable price brackets. I agree. It's like that quote that is like, I think that the little things and the little ones can change the world. Or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll have to learn that quote. I know. So you can say it better. Right. <laughs> well, this has been a great review on a pretty fantastic bourbon. I think a lot it's of a, fun. I think it's a, a really great feature to close out the season with. You know, thank you guys for picking it. Yep. I'm sure that the other options that we had up on those polls were great as well, but thank you guys for picking this one. We've really enjoyed it, and I'm just glad that it's finally open and not hiding in the bunker. Nope. <laughs> now we can work on it. Now we can work on now it. Now we can work on it. Go for more. So we'll have a, our formal review up on the website here probably within the next week or so. That's just something that we need to get up there, and, and you'll, you'll get to see our written review on this. And Look forward to hearing any feedback from you if any of you guys have had this. So let's move on to our news segment. This fortnight in whiskey, I've got three short stories to wind out our last of our series here. Uh, Bob Dylan adds bourbon to the core range of his Heaven's Door whiskey. They're adding a Kentucky straight bourbon, which is going to pair well with the Tennessee straight bourbon, the double barrel whiskey, and the straight rye whiskey they have. This new one is going to be called Ascension Kentucky Straight Bourbon. This new release comes ahead of the opening of their new distillery in Pleasureville, Kentucky that opens this autumn. Alex Moore, Heaven's Door Master Blender, said that their commitment to crafting award-winning whiskey is evident in every step of their process, from the grain selection to the distillation to the barrels they use for blending. For this exceptional Kentucky bourbon, they're meticulously blending each small batch to create its own distinctive flavor profile. Ascension bourbon is non-chill filtered and produced at 46 ABV, and this bourbon is going to be aged more than five years. Tasting notes, uh, aromas of baked bread, buttered popcorn, and dried fruit. 
I'm not sure if I've ever had popcorn in a bourbon I don't before. think I have either. I have. Of you course would. you have. <laughs> <laughs> Flavors are rich and complex of caramel, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, and black pepper. And this launch is going to coincide with the unveiling of some new bottle artwork by Dylan featuring more iron metalworks. So the, the all, all of that there is basically from their website, right? That's what they're touting yep. it as. Yep. That, oh, this is exceptional, or yep. oh, this is the flavor profile that you can get. I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how exceptional is it really? Yep. Um, I like, the, the, I, I certainly think that there are a lot of celebrities that can create a, a really great product, but as a whole, I go into any celebrity endorsement, celebrity created spirit with a bit of trepidation so take best it with a grain of, of salt best of luck to to the ascension bourbon and its release i'm gonna I, i'm gonna hold off judgment till i actually get to taste it yeah. and our second story mgp ingredients is going to be closing one of their kansas distilleries the spirits producer will be closing their distillery in atchison kansas and it's the one that is making grain neutral spirits and industrial alcohol turns out there's been a flood of industrial alcohol on the market and mgp is no longer making money in the process they are committed to continue making their ingredient solutions business which is near and dear to all of us that's the whiskey line and they're dumping 16.7 million into a protein facility in Atchison so they'll still be working somewhere there. That's, that, that's good. And our last story kind of mirrors one that we did early on in fact the end of uh, March. Diageo is facing a black fungus lawsuit of their own uh, this time that. yeah this time it's going to be in Scotland the Johnny Walker owner Diageo could be sued by someone who actually brought litigation to them back in 2017 the uh, Angels Share Vapor that's emitted from the warehouses in Scotland are responsible for this black fungus that's sticking to houses and all kinds of things over there. That's right. I remember it was pretty destructive. Yep. Yeah. Back in 2017, it was a lawsuit of 40,000 pounds or roughly 48,000 US dollars. And it was for property damage, homes and outdoor furniture and whatever. It was a black sooty looking fungus that bears a resemblance to black mold. It feeds on the ethanol emissions from whiskey distilleries. And this new suit says the fungus is creating a visible black staining and discoloration on area properties. It's damaging cars, potted plants, trampolines, and playhouses of neighborhoods from their facility that's roughly 350 meters away from the residential area. Hmm. Not the potted plants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the potted plants. Ah, that's not good. This is a big deal. It's starting to become a nuisance, and uh, the litigation that we mentioned back in March still hasn't come to fruition. 
there's been no conclusion on that yet either. As always, go to our website, Whiskey for the Ages, to see any source citations of the above-mentioned stories, also our reviews and other articles we've got, and just see what else we've been doing. Well, girls, another great episode. But it's time to give our listeners a break. We're going to be taking some well-earned time off, attend to a little personal business, make ready to get Laura off to university, and enjoy the remainder of what's left of our summer. Yep, we don't have a solid return date yet, uh, but do stay tuned and be watching the website for news and other whiskey reviews. Those are still going to be going up even while we are on our uh, break between seasons one and season two. We do fully intend to come back for season two. We've really enjoyed this. Uh, There's been a lot of feature stories and feature themes that we've really love digging into and there are things that we anticipate coming back to in season two things like the spotlight series we really loved that we loved all of our interviews that we were able to do and all the guests we were able to bring on probably some more history and educational stuff as well so we'll all see we're really excited to jump back into season two but it is going to be a little bit before we do so yep and like they were saying we are still going to be doing reviews in between this break my reviews are just going to be a little bit more remote since i'm traveling to a new state so but they're they're going to be there well we'll work it out we always do so and one of the best and frankly most gratifying things for me are the number of people that have reached out and gave us feedback on these podcasts we enjoy hearing from you let us know what you'd like to hear let us know what you'd like us to change you know, we're not above changing. You know, we want to make this better. We want to make this your podcast as well. Absolutely. So, as we end each episode, we do a call to action. You can find us on the Podbean, the Spotify, Amazon Music, Heart, iHeartRadio, Player Radio, Samsung Podcast App, Podchaser, Boomplay. The other day I found out we we're also on Google Podcasts. It's pretty amazing where we are and who's finding us, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you guys so much for being willing to listen to our babbles R- and our our awesome. ramblings, which yeah. I'm sure have <laughs> been very extensive to you guys. <laughs> but we we've yep. enjoyed it. We've yeah. we've had a lot of fun putting this podcast together. Um, We'd like to reiterate our gratitude, our thanks to the guests that we've had on our show during this series. Greg Walters from with the Bar Pours episode and then Chris Schmeier and Ben Polstra uh, when we talked about the advent calendars, Mm -hmm. which our advent calendar over here in Boise, Idaho is going to be kicking off here pretty soon. We're very excited. Our summer advent. And then of course, thank you so much to you guys, our loyal listeners who have, like Dad mentioned, been providing such great feedback and really making this all that much more fun. So as we end our episode and our season, we'll talk with you all again soon. Cheers. Cheers.